and welcome to Backlog. We're your hosts, Lucas and Alex Evans. Each week we take a look through our backlog, pick a game to play for the next week, and we meet back to discuss our time with it. We're happy you can join us. Hope you discover a new favorite or rediscover an old favorite along the way. How you doing this week, Alex? I'm doing a bit better than last week. How are you doing? Good, yeah. Uh, I'm off and on. I'm totally working from home now, which is a new experience for me. I'm still getting adjusted to... The idea yeah. of permanently living in my office, basically. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, been uh, it's been a learning curve, but we're getting there. I definitely need a mm-hmm. comfier chair and comfier keyboard. You don't yes. quite notice it until you're both working and leisuring in the same space. Mm. Well, I've been, I've been. Uh, there's a guy I watch on YouTube. He's a composer, and he's got like these keyboard and mouse, like sort of. They almost look like little beanbag cushions almost for like resting your, your elbows on and stuff or your wrists on. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've been like wanting to get something like that. I mean, I have a little foam pad for my keyboard and mouse now, but they're like getting kind of old and, and kind of gross looking. So I just want to replace them with something a little bit nicer. So and as well, as far as chairs concerned, I actually just ordered a, a secret lab chair a couple oh, of days ago. You lucky son of a gun. So, so that should be here on Tuesday. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I gotta look into that. I need a keyboard and I need a chair, so I gotta. Yeah. I'll start shopping around. I think I had mm. a nice uh, mechanical keyboard that I really enjoyed, but it it crapped out and like half the keys stopped working. I might be able to open it up and see what if there's something easy going on. But yeah, yeah, I feel like it might be worth it just to upgrade it because it was pretty old anyway. But mm. so I'm just have some crappy HP <laughs> like pack-in <laughs> keyboard that you get for free with your computer. It's pretty awful right now. But yeah, and I've got this staples office chair that i've had for like eight years it's not yeah, great. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I mean, I'll, I'll let you know how i what i think about the uh what i think about the secret lab it comes with like a lumbar cushion and a head support cushion that's got like a cooling gel in it oh. it just seems like so it seems like it's gonna be so nice the only thing i've heard about it is some people say it's like a little firm at first but then once you sort of sit in it a few times it sort of you know breaks in a, a little bit so yeah so, um, sounds magical <laughs> mm-hmm. i uh yeah i mean I'm a, other than me being a pretty tall guy I, I don't have too many requirements for chairs like this one the back support is terrible like yeah. i have to like stuff a pillow behind me for it to even remotely be well yeah they have like four different four different like lines of chairs essentially so there's like um i can't remember what the very first one is and then there's omega and then there's titan and then there's titan xl so uh omega is like i think it's like five seven to five eleven or six feet or something like that and mm-hmm. then there's like a weight bracket i think it's like a 100 to 120 kilograms so you know like 200 to 240 pounds and then the titan goes up to like six six feet to like six five or something like that and then there's that's cool yeah so it the only thing obviously like the bigger the chair the more material so it costs like another 40 extra bucks or 50 bucks up from the previous one but mm-hmm it's fine with me, so yeah, I'll have to check it around, check the prices, and see what's uh what's doable right, for me. Right now, they have like a little deal going on too, because like it's like a a stay at home deal or something like that. So there's uh, like thirty yeah. bucks off, um, yeah, thirty bucks off, uh, you know, a purchase or your chair or whatever for like the next like six days or something. Yeah, companies are reacting uh, all kinds of different ways to the whole quarantine mm. thing. Some are, I think. Like video games and indoor comfort places are probably seeing a boom in business, but yeah, yeah. Other well, places, I, local restaurants and stuff are hurting pretty bad. Mm. Well, like I saw, like I saw on uh, just a Google, like one of the Google sort of articles down below on my phone. Like uh, I was from Toronto. It's like a like 
they were having a lot of like worries and issues downtown Toronto because like huge lineups for Animal Crossing and stuff like that in the uh, in the streets and stuff. So yeah, yeah, so that just uh, came out here a couple of days ago. Yeah, same. Yeah, um, my girlfriend got it. I'm kind of hot and cold on Animal Crossing. I liked playing it back when it was on the GameCube when I was a kid and I had that freedom of time. But yeah, I don't know if it's just. I don't know if it has the appeal for me anymore. Like, mm. I, uh, I don't know. I just feel like I need more direction in a game. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. it's a good leisure. You know, it's definitely a relaxing experience. And they have this. I've seen they have this Nook Miles app on your in in mm. game now that like gives you mini quests to do. So it's you know catch yeah. five fish or catch mm-hmm. a certain type of fish or chop down two trees. So you have like little things you can do and. I'm going to give it a try. I mean, I wouldn't have bought it, but since my girlfriend bought it, I'm, I'm definitely going to check yeah. it out here and there and play. It's also the kind of game you can get away with just playing for 20 or 30 minutes a day, I think, just doing a few things and packing yeah, it yeah, in. For so sure. hopefully I fit it into my schedule. I haven't been doing much else this week other than a little bit of Animal Crossing. I've been playing a back into Legends of Runeterra. Mm-hmm. Um, they released a big patch, fixed a couple of the really big problem cards that were in the game so it's been exciting to get back into that i missed it like i'd been kind of out of it for almost two weeks and not really doing my daily quests and stuff on it but i'm back in the swing of it and it's (laughs) it's fun to be back on that game it's just such a such a good card game have you been playing anything other than the game of the week this week no man i actually really enjoyed this one like more so than i ever thought i would and like it's been really nice because like it's this is the first game to me in a while that like i've i've like been like really wanting to play like sort of like not wanting to go to sleep to keep playing it (laughs) and stuff like that and that's that hasn't happened to me since i think like uncharted 4 or something maybe or the last of us whatever one came out i think uncharted 4 came out after the last of us so yeah i don't think it's happened with a game since that one wow that's uh that's crazy i didn't know it was quite like that i remember texting you because i had just been having a hard time getting into it and we'll talk more once we get into the review section yeah. of the podcast but i remember you text me back just saying i can't put it down <laughs> yeah yeah and uh yeah i thought it was um i thought it was odd because it's always hard to tell exactly what that means over text but yeah that's mm. crazy i didn't know you were that because it, it doesn't strike me as your kind of game just having no, grown up with exactly, you exactly yeah it's really not like i i i've i don't think i ever played stardew valley but like watching my girlfriend play it it's not it that just like the the pace of it doesn't really you know seem fun to me um nor does animal crossing really yeah so just i don't know if it's like maybe maybe this has a bit of a different spin on it or if it's just like the the setting of this game that is making it more enjoyable to me or not but yeah i mean i've been playing as much i've been playing it so yeah, I don't want to blur the lines too much. That so seems like we're ready to get into the chat. So we'll take a quick little break. We'll be back yeah. with our book club review of Graveyard Keeper. And we're back. So let's uh, jump into our uh, review, a uh, preview. I, you know, I don't even feel comfortable calling it a review. I didn't play it enough. It's just going to be my first impressions. But sounds yeah. like you dug deep into a Graveyard Keeper. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, why don't you? I mean. It was, I think the problem mainly for me is that I had played it before, a little bit, before we chose it as our game of the week. Like, I played it about a month or so ago. So I had a few weeks of in-game progress, and every time I booted it up, there was a few times I booted it up, and I was even just looking at the start screen, 
and I ended up closing the game because I'm like, I don't really feel like getting into this right now. And like, because I knew there was going to be so much I'd have to front, like relearn really quickly. Yeah. Um, where I might have even been better just starting a new file, but then that also just feels bad and feels like a mental hurdle. So I had a bit of a, a rough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I've there's still so much left for me to explore. So this is well, well, another like one to go on the pile of things I'm hoping to get back around to if I end up with free yeah. time. Well, like that's the thing for me too is like. I, I really enjoy this game and playing it and stuff like that, but I also I also know, you know, given the type of game it is and my history with games as well, like when you stop playing a game like this where there's like so much stuff to remember as far as like recipes for things and like what you were even working on accomplishing next because sometimes you, you know, you have like a main goal of what you want to achieve, but that requires meeting like three or four other small goals beforehand. So like, yeah, like I feel like, I really like playing this game. It's really fun to play, but I I know sort of putting it down for a little bit to do our next week's game, I'm I, I'm probably not going to pick it up for a little while, which is sort of a bad thing to me, but you know, it's it, it is what it is, but yeah, I was thinking the same thing like when I was doing up some thoughts for this podcast. Uh, the the podcast itself has been both a blessing and a, a curse so far because I don't mm-hmm. think I would have gone back and played this or even gone back and played last week's game Doom. And now they're yeah. both games I really want to go through and finish, but because of the pace of this, there's always something new to play. So, yeah. It's a uh, two sides of the coin there. Yeah. Uh, I guess let's go in. Uh, let's just talk about the surface level first and the uh, art style. Did you like mm-hmm. the pixel graphics and uh, everything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, it kind of like, you know, like just looking at the game and like I remember seeing just because like I'm I'm always like, you know, trying to find games for my girlfriend to play and stuff like that that she might like just through searching for games myself. And yeah. uh, I saw this video because she watched a couple like Stardew Valley um videos on like youtube on our tv or whatever so one of the recommended videos like this is a while ago now but one of the recommended videos was like 10 games like stardew valley or whatever and that was one of them so and i remember that one sort of like resonated with me out of the other ones that showed up most of the other ones they were talking about weren't even out yet like there's that witch brook game that he the same creator stardew valley's working on but um sort of like stardew valley but like harry potter ish but uh I don't even remember where I was going with this. Uh, the graphics, do you? Do you like right. the look of it? It seems like Stardew Valley, but like a little bit more polished in my eyes. So like it, it was, um, it was. I like. I mean, I like the art style. A thing about that, though, I don't know about you necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple times when I was playing the game, um, it like failed to show like the icon above and i like a an item for me to like craft something or harvest something or whatever it would have been and so like it yeah just like didn't show it and then also it like locked on for me to to harvest something or cut down a tree or whatever and i held down the button for it and he was like just sort of like running continuously in the same spot not moving to go do it so there's a couple like sort of laggy things that happened with it but yeah a couple pathing things i noticed that a bit in harvesting yeah um graphically i like i mean i love pixel art and a lot of people can slam pixel art for being almost lazy but i don't i mean there is lazy pixel art but yeah i find most games that do you know seriously get published and you know get some attention of you know there's obviously tons of crap games get pumped out not gonna say there isn't but um i mean any game that reaches this caliber i think the pixel graphics are great i have no 
I have no qualms about them. I felt it was, it struck a pretty nice balance of it being gloomy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. obviously kind of that graveyard aesthetic, but yeah. still the colors were still there. It was still bright. It was still interesting to look through. Mm-hmm. You know, they definitely could have gone much grayer tone with this and it would have been a lot more boring. So I'm glad yeah, they didn't, yeah. uh, I'm glad they didn't fall into that trap. As well, like going into this game, I didn't know how diverse and how involved it was going to be. Like I thought, you know, Graveyard Keeper, I, saw some stuff about it. it seemed pretty interesting i didn't really look into it much more beyond that but um like it's crazy like you you have to like yeah you like your your graveyards in a church um in a church field or whatever so you have to unlock the church and then once you unlock the church you have to put on like sermons and you can like unlock different types of sermons that are beneficial and like you can decorate your church and then like you have your home and you're crafting all this other stuff and then you got to like you know get underneath your house which is like all linked to like the uh, area where you like prep the dead bodies for the graveyard into the church and like everything it was just like super super complex and like so ver- so much variety in there it was just like that's probably what drew me in so much like it was just like it was a lot but it wasn't overwhelming so it was it was really nice yeah it's it's basically a wolf in sheep's clothing in that respect i agree because yeah. You get suckered in. You think it's going to be, you know, just going to tend to this graveyard, going to do this and that, build a, you know, build some tombstones. But like you said, mm-hmm. there's just so many branching, not branching paths, but there's so much unlockable stuff. You have all the different kind of quest lines with different characters around the village. Yeah. And you can kind of tackle those in any order you want, unlock different things in those respects. Then you have the tech tree itself. So I guess we'll mm-hmm. kind of jump into gameplay because we're yeah, definitely yeah. trending in there. Um, but yeah, the, the unlock tree to just... It's not too restricting, but it's just there always feels like there's something new and exciting. The, the pacing of getting those unlocks is, yeah. I mean, I'm only about 30 in-game days in, so mm-hmm. I can't give a full a testament to how it'll eventually run out. But yeah, I mean, yeah. right now it right now it just feels like there's always, always something fun and exciting to unlock. And there's always multiple options of like, oh, I really want this thing, this thing, and this thing. I got to make yeah. a choice. And it, it feels like you could play this game through a couple times and really focus in on different things each time like mm-hmm. i feel like you'll eventually unlock everything anyway because it's pretty narrow tech tree it's not like super wide and yeah. many options in that respect but um, well it was it was kind of kind of interesting like the there was a point in the game like i did have to google a few things to figure out what to do or how to get a specific item or something like that for a quest because i was just like searching for many days like looking through the tech tree because it shows you like what each thing you unlock in the tech tree like gives you like certain you know if you upgrade farming or whatever you can increase like the quality of like your your fertilizer and your soil and stuff like that but um there was like on the edge of like there's like this lighthouse sort of thing on like the southeast side of the map and there's like an astrologer there i think is what he what he is yeah, I talked. I got a little bit into his like quest line, I guess, but not very. Yeah, fun. but I think the the point I was in the game. I'm not sure if like it just seemed that way to me, or if it is possible to do. But like he, the first thing he asked for when you talk to him is he wants a skull. Yeah. So, um, luckily I had harvested a skull from a, a like one of the dead bodies that I was prepping. Yeah. Um, but it was like really weird though because like I think I I felt. Like I needed to talk to him before I could continue like expanding the size of my graveyard and like opening up other sections of it and stuff. So I was at a point where I was like, 
if I didn't harvest the skull, would I be able to even continue the game? Like, would I have just been like stuck in a dead end corner here? Like, so there was a couple things like that to me that happened in the game that I was like, like, oh, if I wasn't just like doing stuff out of curiosity here, would I have put myself in a corner and not have been able to continue the game? Mm. But yeah, I doubt there's dead ends. I mean, I was in the same, uh, I just recently finished the uh, skull like bringing him a skull mm-hmm. and i was in a point where i was still just getting dead bodies repeatedly and i had the little carrot farm up and running to give carrots yeah. for the donkey and stuff so i definitely had plenty of opportunities to get a skull over and over but mm-hmm. yeah there's just there's so much intertwined together that i mean designing this must be pretty crazy to just avoid yeah. making any pitfalls like that so i mean the pacing overall i guess it's a good segue is just has been really delightful so far um the having like you kind of have a week cycle of six days i guess in this game but mm-hmm. um and like each kind of main character has a different day assigned to them that they'll show up and yeah. you can do stuff so I, I thought it was a really nice balance between having something you can do uh you know when you look at what day it is you're like okay it's i mean it's sunday or the day with the sun you know you're going to do the church stuff or whatever yeah yeah. Um, but it always kind of gave you a bit of a direction for the day but you could always ignore that or just plan for it next week and if you missed something it never felt like it was too long for you to wait around for the it to come up next week yeah exactly And you never felt like you missed out on anything or any i mean my biggest uh i do want to do like talk about some comparisons to harvest moon and animal crossing and stardew valley and those kind of games but yep. one of my biggest things that i enjoyed about this is i never felt too stressed other than the like sheer amount of options but every time yeah exactly yeah every time i was uh, every time i got a little too stressed about it i just kind of took a step back and i'm like well i'm not in any time crunch let me just pick whatever seems the most fun and do it yeah that's what um, i was gonna say I was, I was i wanted to bring up like that it's nice that like you get all these you can get all these quests at once in a sense like um when you get up to like that witch's hill or whatever it is you talk to that guy and he wants you to bring him like uh like like flyers but like flyers at that time when i talked to him was like so much further ahead in the skill tree and i needed to get like those like the blue upgrade points which are like um spiritual spiritual church based points essentially so um i was far away because i didn't even unlock the church i think at that point and stuff so i was just like so far away but yeah there's no time crunch in any of the tasks you have to do and like the meat that you harvest from the body because i remember i don't know if it was on a podcast or if it was just me and you talking but um you were saying that like when you when you first started playing it like a month or so ago or whatever that you you know went up to the guy in the in the saloon or whatever and he was saying that like you need a a stamp for your meat or whatever so the way that you explained it like it happened so early at the beginning talking about this stamp it's still a long ways like i still haven't unlocked that stamp yet but i still have i still have been like continuously harvesting meat from the bodies and um it doesn't spoil or anything like that either so like that's not a stress the only thing that seems any amount of stressful is the bodies when they get dumped they have like a percentage on them of like freshness i guess and yeah. i haven't left it to get below like 80 yet so i haven't really found out what happens but um that's the only thing that's like a, a time frame thing that you need to accomplish but yeah i think leaving them because i got one that went a little bit below 90 and i think it just starts like eroding the like skull value like the glory value of the body yeah. when you bury it so i think it just starts like if you leave it for too long it starts taking that away but so um, what what is that skull value thing i, I mean like i've seen it i know if you get below like if you go too far harvesting too many things from them you get like a screw up or whatever yeah. um the the more things that you harvest from them is the more 
like negative points they give to your graveyard. Is is that what it is essentially? Yeah, in a way. I mean, I'm my understanding is still pretty rudimentary of it too. But essentially, um, the bodies have like a, a like max amount of skulls, and then a certain amount of those skulls are red, and then the rest are white. And the red skulls are negative, so if you screw up on autopsy stuff or you take out, like, important parts of the body, it'll change white skulls over to red skulls. Okay. And then, so if you bury a body in your graveyard, it actually subtracts that many red skulls from, like, your rating. And yeah, So okay. you need to, um, so if there's three red skulls, you need to have, like, three, um, like, prettiness points worth of, to uh, even like, stuff on it in order to balance it. And then after that, you start actually contributing to like the prettiness of your graveyard um where if it was all white skulls then everything you put down starts immediately contributing to your white stuff so Mm -hmm. or to your prettiness of your uh, graveyard so there'd be times when i'd harvest a body and i'd screw up on one or two things and i would just chuck it in the river because it was like if i go and bury (laughs) this guy it's gonna not i'm not gonna have any uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's just going to be too much of a hassle to have it contribute so i don't know if that comes back to bite me but i've definitely dumped a few river <laughs> bodies in the so river. i wasn't actually i wasn't actually aware that you could dump bodies in the river where do you go to dump them at because i've buried every single body that i've gotten so far and it's like filling up my graveyard pretty quickly oh really yeah i think you're kind of supposed i mean you can obviously play it different ways but i think you're kind of supposed to like pick and choose different qualities of body to put in your graveyard but i thought there was like a tutorial part where the donkey essentially or somebody the skull shows you where to throw bodies but basically if you go left of your graveyard there's a little broken Mm -hmm. bridge that you can repair but if you just go down from that bridge to like the shoreline right below it you can chuck them in the river and just get rid of them so where do you you can also build an incinerator i think at some point too to get rid of them that way oh shit um well there's like a you can Below the graveyard, there's like a cremation field that you can create. So that's what it is. Maybe, I think, yeah. yeah. Um, so where? Because I've only done like I've only gotten the skull a beer. I haven't even gotten the wine yet. Where do you get the wine from? Because I know you can make it eventually, but that's a ways up the list. Yeah, same. I don't know. I, I've I'm in the same spot. He's waiting for okay. wine. I think you might be able to buy it from the uh, the par the pub once you get it to like tier two friendliness or something. Uh, okay, maybe. Okay, yeah. Because there's I've, different. I've, each merchant has different like tiers of stuff they offer as you become more friendly with them. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, tech tree. I really liked having the three different resources, like the three different skill points, because it felt mm-hmm. like diverse enough that it was like, okay, if I do a lot of nature stuff, it kind of naturally unlocks more nature stuff, but it yeah. didn't feel too restrictive in though like. Because, you know, some games, the tech tree is just way too uh, specific where it's like you got to harvest 58 beats and then you can go yeah. to beat, beats tier two. And it's all mm-hmm. very specific, like how it levels up. This felt like everything I was doing contributed to my overall experience that I never. But at the same time, there's occasions where I had to like, OK, I need a lot more red experience. So I'm going to have to go yeah. specialize in doing a lot of workmanship and mining and stuff to just beef that mm-hmm. up real quick. Did you? Did you like the way that tech tree felt? Like I thought it was a really good balance. Yeah, I like the tech tree stuff. Um, one thing I do want to bring up, though, n- not to jump just right over to it. Um, yeah. Given given the tech tree stuff, I guess. Um, yeah, I do like it. It's a, it's like not too overwhelming. Like it's pretty linear with like a couple sort of diversions of you know of what you can do. So like you know if you're farming or whatever, you can choose to go like a soil route, or you can choose to go like a like like grapes or something for example i think is sort of where i'm at now yeah there's a whole like vineyard section man there's so many different there's like you can have a bee farm there's just so much left to explore in this game you can kind of yeah so much but yeah um one thing i'd like i know know the you know the the main picture case cover whatever you want to call it for the game is like you on like a riding a donkey or whatever 
Um, but I'm curious if like you can get some sort of animal to ride in the game or whatever, because a traveling to and from town is like pretty just sort of long with really nothing to do in between. Um, so I was like wondering if there's anything that speeds up that process and a like cutting down trees too. Cause sometimes like trees gives you like two logs or you can cut it down and gives you one log and then you have to, you have to dig it up and that brings you, it gives you another log. But so sometimes you can get like two logs out of a single tree, but you can only carry one at a time over your head to go bring back to your house. So I was just sort of like, sort of like hoping down the line that there's something that allows you to either carry multiple or something. Cause it was just like, there's like this big stone that I found that you can harvest like big chunks of rock from too, that you can then process into smaller pieces of rock. But I had to carry it like a good two minute walk from my house or from there to get to my house to put it on the, on like the the table or whatever. So it was just a couple things like that too, that I haven't seen in the skill tree or anything like that, that I hope somehow get negated or get solved down the road. And cause it just seems like a, it just seems like a time waster, um, in the game because obviously as you continue you need to have more materials to build the higher quality further in the game items and machines and stuff so yeah i'm speculating if i say anything too but because i haven't unlocked anything but i can only imagine there's a way to travel quicker because yeah if you're going to town you're kind of just committing the whole day to going there because it's such a long walk there and back and yeah um I found I was able to, if I chopped down like a tree with two logs, I could pick one up and then I could also kick the other one with my feet. So I would yeah, drag it Yeah, that's what back. I've been doing. <laughs> so you could drag two back that way. But yeah, I have to imagine there's like a cart or something eventually that you can use to move mm. around and get stuff. But yeah, hopefully. I mean, I have, uh, my brain was already overwhelmed with all the different things I was trying to keep track of Yeah. without even looking further down the tech tree. I'm just like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll look one space ahead in the tech tree and that's pretty much it. Unless there was... Yeah. Occasionally, I'd come across something that was like, okay, you need these things to clear this path or to unlock this thing. And I'd be like, I don't know mm-hmm. what that resource is. So I'd go scan through the tree to try and find it. Yeah. Um, one thing, I mean, the only thing that I felt I was really lacking in this game was basically a to-do list. You had the character list where you could see like the different character quests that you got, the NPC quests. But yeah. I really wish, because there's a lot of different um, buildings you can build around your land and and beyond and then like different bridges and things that you can clear yeah. and then down underneath your place too there's lots of different pathways you can clear i wish you could essentially tag those so that would show you even either in your pause menu or just on the side of the screen like mm-hmm. here's the thing that you tagged and here's the items you need um yeah because yeah because there's been a few times like i'll like see like i need to like move like uh when you go in your cellar or whatever or even in the church in the in in like the area where you prep the bodies like there's like blockages in those rooms that you have to get rid of and you need different materials for them to clear the blockage and yeah so like i've seen i've like gone to look at it see what i need and then i like run all the way back to my home to like craft stuff hoping i've fully remembered what i needed for it yeah Um, yeah i I kept feeling like i had the memory of a goldfish yeah. yeah yeah um another thing too um it's nice like wherever you're nearby so if you're working on stuff in front of your home on like different machines and like processing like wood and stuff like that the chests that you put in front of your house you can access the materials from immediately while you're building stuff like it just shows that that's in your inventory um two things i wish i mean and maybe it happens down the road but i hope there's some way to increase your inventory on your person so you can hold more stuff and i think it would be kind of cool if there's some way to like 
link those chests to anywhere in a sense like because you have chests in front of the church you have them downstairs underground in the church underground your house in the cellar in your home like because i've I found times like i'll have all the stuff i need to to build something in the church but it's all the way in my house in one of the toolboxes because it's just where i keep most of like my building supplies um so i i wish there was some way to sort of streamline that too because i know it's not super realistic but i mean you know it would be nice to be able to to be building something in the church and accessing the materials from your home chest or your the chest outside in front of your house just to be able to build stuff easier yeah i 100 percent agree it was one of the things that i noted as well uh, like when i first started i really liked that they pretty much give you a chest in every working area right off the start because yeah. a lot of games make you just build a chest all the time and it's just one of those things that just is like a speed bump every time you get to a new area mm-hmm. uh, but this is nice they kind of give you one and I liked it at first because it's kind of nice being able to organize stuff and um, it, I, I had to, and when you're starting out, I had to kind of guess at where things were going to be needed. Like, you know, obviously all the wood and iron I was putting up in my main yard with the, all my tool stuff. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, some things got like between like my graveyard box and like my church box and things like that. I had to guess where some things were and i could never remember which box it was in i spent so much time like running around checking different boxes Mm -hmm. maybe i just need better memory or better organization plan but it was just kind of yeah like you said i wish they were all either interlinked or some way you could take a quick Mm -hmm. overview of everything that's in everything uh from your menu or something and it seems a little arbitrary too as far as what items you can hold multiples of in a single square in your inventory versus ones that take up individual blocks. So like anything relating to the graveyard, headstones or like frames for the graves or anything like that, each individually take up a single slot. So like if I want to craft at my home like five, you know, five headstones or whatever, yeah. then that takes up five blocks in my inventory. So I have to like dump a bunch of stuff to hold that, to run it over, to put in the chest of the church um, versus like, I don't know, like carrots, which I mean, I guess is a smaller item. So it makes sense to that degree, but there's other things too, like other types of materials and stuff like that, that take up a single slot. And it just seems a little sort of random to what does and what doesn't take up a single slot or can multiple can be held in a single slot. But, yeah, um, or how much a stack even is, yeah. I mean, yeah. games like this always seem to have that kind of, you got to make it, like when you're developing, I guess you got to make a choice about some things. Yeah. Do you feel like, uh, do you feel like inventory management for games like this is part of the gameplay or is it something that as a game designer you should try and alleviate as much as possible and it's just like, because I, I mean, think- obviously it wouldn't be too hard to just make a system where everything you build goes into some sort of cloud storage where you yeah. just have access to everything infinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would, I think, take away from the game. But what's your opinion? I think maybe subconsciously it was. Otherwise, they would have just given you an endless inventory anyways. Like, you would just have been able to hold as many things as you want, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, you know, for example, like Resident Evil 4 is something that comes to mind where you have like a suitcase and you can upgrade the sizes of your suitcases and like you literally have to like put your weapons in your suitcase and you can like they take up so many like blocks in there and you can like rotate them and stuff like that to sort of like try to organize it best you can which is kind of cool um like a cool sort of way to make the inventory a strategic part of the game but this this i wouldn't say it was like that developed it was more just sort of like an afterthought or like a subconscious thing like i said that they had put in the game like you have so many blocks of inventory so you can't 
you know, you can't hold endless things and you have to choose what you want to bring with you and what you don't want to bring with you. But, uh, but that just seemed like that, that just seemed like a bit of a burden to me. Cause yeah, like, like I said, I wish there was some way to like link all the chests, the chests together or something like that, or at least be able to build the same machine that's in front of your house over by the church or something like that. So you can use the machine to craft headstones right outside the church and then just put them in the chest right away instead of having to go all the way back home, build them, come all the way back, and then just, you know, sort of waste like a minute and a half, two minutes travel time to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's possible that those are later in the tech tree, so maybe we'll get there. Mm. So I don't want to talk too much shade about it, but just mm. from an overall game design perspective, I was just curious what you thought about inventory in general. Because inventory yeah. is one of those things that's in so many games. And in Resident mm-hmm. Evil, or um, there's a game that's, been popular on twitch lately called escape from tarkov which is kind of like this battle royale survival game in Mm -hmm. games like that it makes sense to me because you're trying to make quick decisions um or you're just trying to make you know survival anything that's like survival game i wouldn't call this a survival game so Mm -hmm. but games where there are survival elements inventory stuff makes sense because you're trying to you're going to balance you're going to make choices but this it's you were never really making a choice of what to bring. It was just you had to run back to get stuff, run back to get yeah. stuff, go get different things, balance what was in your inventory. So it never felt like a challenge or a choice. It was just uh, kind mm. of this nuisance side thing that you had to do. But at the same time, if that does, if there are things in the tech tree later that alleviate that, yeah. then that's almost a good thing because it gives you stuff to work towards where if it just was not an issue to begin with, there'd be less things to unlock in the tech tree. So yeah, it's yeah. an interesting balance to have to strike. Well, like I said, like, I mean... You know, I really, really like this game. Obviously, it's it's been shown it's easier to complain about things or to see the negativity in things other than the positives. But aside from us been trash talking the game for the last ten minutes, I really enjoy it. I, I those those complaints aren't really complaints to the degree that it pushes me away from wanting to play the game. So, um, so yeah, like you know, take no, what like- we're saying with a grain of salt, I guess, in a sense, because it's. Oh yeah, not, I mean these are such minor bad. things like the the chests and like the task system are just the only two things I can even really nitpick and the reason I'm just talking about them so much is because they are just such minor little things that I think it's good to have kind of a broader conversation about how they act in games but yeah, yeah. Um, I mean yeah that's just a, it should be if anything a testament to how, how good this is. Mm. Um, it's just it's just really relaxing it's just fun it's just like yeah it's i I guess it's a good time i think now to compare it a bit to animal crossing which just came out and i mean obviously i'm still in the infancy of that but i've played a lot of previous animal crossing games and the problem with animal crossing is that it's very leisurely but um you almost feel like you're never making progress like sure you're getting bells you're you're saving up money and you're upgrading your house over the course of weeks of playing and stuff but yeah you have like these big goal posts and you're kind of just do whatever you want until you get there. But that never feels super rewarding where this, it's just the pacing Mm -hmm. of unlocking stuff, getting stuff, always having something to do, making a choice. Like, do I want to develop the beekeeping zone or the vineyard or you just have so many things you can do and just so many exciting things to explore that I think this is just such a cram packed game for the price of it, especially if you can get it now on sale. I'm sure it's just like, it's crazy to me how much is in this game. Well, yeah, because like once you get in a church under, like you go in like the cellar of the church or whatever, it's like the alchemy lab or something like that is what it's called. Yeah. But there's this table where you can like study items and um, you need you need the item that you want to study, obviously, and then you need uh, science points and you need, uh, you need like, like faith points. Faith points. Yeah. So um, 
so it was it was kind of interesting. It took me forever to figure out how to get science points. That's one of the things I had to Google. I couldn't figure it out um, because I was like, the only thing I could use to get like those blue spirit points was I I was harvesting hemp and I was crafting rope from it, and that was giving me like two pieces, two blue points per per like batch of hemp rope that I was making. So it just seemed uh-huh. like a really slow process. Yeah. And then um, apparently what all I needed to do was I had to make clean paper, which all you need is like skin or bat wings to make. So you make, you take one of those two items to make like pigskin paper. And then the pigskin paper makes you a batch of clean paper. Yeah. So all you needed to do was go over to that science bench and cause it only shows choose an item to study. I wish it would have said choose an item to study or item to decompose because yeah, you have to go in, you have to choose the paper and then at that you decompose that paper to give yourself science points. And then, yeah, and then studying something, um, studying something at that table gives you like, like there was a couple of things I was studying. It gave me like 15 or 20 of those blue points. So I was like, I, yeah, I studied like three things and it was just like brought me way up. And then I upgraded like eight things all at once in my skill tree. It felt like it was just like such a nice relief to, to get that done. Yeah, I also had to look that up. But I wasn't sure if I couldn't remember it because it was something that they taught me before I came back to play it. But I was like, I don't remember how to get science points, and I, I could, I looked through the tech tree. I was looking through all the tutorial menus, and I couldn't find anything about it. But yeah, you got to do like books. There's this whole like subsystem which I didn't even get to yet, but where you can build like chapters and you can write whole books and stuff. And oh yeah, man, stuff. I I built the table for that paper stuff. Um, yeah. and then and then yeah, like you yeah, you have to like make chapters. I think yeah, I think it's called chapters. And yeah. then you can you have to use like there's these things that you get from people when you complete tasks and stuff like that but it's like a grayed out sheet and it's called story and then there's like a bronze a silver and a gold rating for them and one of the things that you needed in that uh, that table for chapters or whatever was like three different story papers or something maybe it was a different item but anyways um you needed like three different story pages and you can click in there and it drops down another menu within that and you can customize like what how many of each one of like the quality of stories you wanted to make so i I didn't get into doing that yet. Like I still need to unlock a few things I think before I can do that, but it just like brought another level of like in-depthness to some, like a portion of the game that's already super in-depth. So it's like, Holy yeah. crap. And it's, it seems like you can kind of, I mean, eventually you got to figure all this stuff out, but I love that they give you the options to pick and choose which systems and which things. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like at this point in the game, I could have really honed in on being like, an alcohol seller and like set up the vineyard and done all this stuff. I didn't go that route, but I feel like I could have, and I could have just been deep yeah. in that right now. Like, so it's, it's, I don't know. It's so delightful that there's so much in this game. And mm. I mean, if you haven't, you never really, pl- I played harvest moon growing up and you never were interested in those types of games. Not really. Um, no. And as I've gotten a bit older, um, I don't know. I, I still like animal cross or not animal crossing, but harvest moons and stuff and stardew valleys. Um, mm-hmm. but I do find they are lacking a bit of the upgrade tree. Like, you can expand your yard. You can do stuff. You can get straight upgrades to your tools. Yeah. Uh, and all those are in Graveyard Keeper, but then you also have all these other systems and all these other options and things to develop. It's just, yeah, it's really delightful. I, I highly recommend this, especially if you're somebody who has looked at Stardew Valley or played Stardew Valley and felt maybe there wasn't too much to do or you didn't like the calendar event system because that was another thing that bothered me. Like, I didn't like having to have to plan every week for, like, an event or a festival that was coming up. I always mm-hmm. felt really shoehorned or pressured into doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, this, the only time crunch so far at least seems to just be, like you said, the corpse is decomposing, but that yeah. doesn't take too long to handle. And if you're worried about it, I think you can 
upgrade the little shoot so they just roll straight into your morgue and they're yeah, like protected there and stuff <laughs> i did that pretty early on but they still decompose when they're in there i don't think they decompose as fast once you put them on the autopsy table yeah but exactly. once they once they get yeah they it just gets put right in the shoot so it's right in there for you um yeah the only other time crunch i felt was just like the uh every sunday that you need to go to church and like put on a sermon more so yeah. just because i want the faith points now that i have a use for them doing stuff like doing the studies on that science table and stuff. Yeah, um, exactly. You want to get to those when they come around, but you yeah. you can miss out on it. It just, yeah, you won't have to get the faith points until next Sunday or whatever. So Did you what, want to talk much about the music? Yeah, I was just actually going to move into that. I was just going to um, sort of switch on over to that. Um, I didn't notice a huge variety of music. Like there was, I can think, thinking back to it, I think there's only like three or four different parts with music, like different types of music. Like there's, I think music when you're just wandering around outside, then there's one for your house, and then there's one for being underground, like your house, underground, the church, all that kind of stuff. And then when you're in town, I think those are like the only four that I can think of that I noticed there was like different music. Um, But even still, they sort of all kind of blend together. Like, so it's not, not super, super, like nothing super crazy musically going on um yeah as far as music's concerned um that's sort of my main focus in the audio department but uh but like the sound effects to me too um i i i didn't find anything was too annoying like the sound effects are pleasing to me as far as like when you're cutting wood down or you're working on one of the machines and stuff like that so um yeah i guess i'll pass it over to you and get your your taste on it Oh yeah, no. I feel like you're reading my my notes or my mind straight up because it's. I felt the same way. I mean, I barely noticed the music. Like I knew it existed, but I never paid much attention to it. But as mm-hmm. we discovered last week, you're more of the audiophile than me for sure. Just paying attention to a lot of the different things that are going on. So I was curious if you had any bit of a different take. But I guess it was mm-hmm. pretty much the same as me. Whereas you know you felt like it was. You know, it's just there. I mean, this is the kind of game where it is just so freeform and relaxing in a way that I'd rather just put on a podcast or put on my own kind of chill soundtrack and just kind of yeah. go to work as it will, as it mm-hmm. were. I mean, it's there. It doesn't. It's not harmful. Again, kind of like I'm throwing way back to our ukulele podcast, but the music is there and it doesn't annoy you necessarily. It covers mm-hmm. it, it covers the background noise if you need it, but it doesn't yeah. um, doesn't get too intrusive um and like you said the sound effects were fine there was enough variety i mean one of the things you can do when you're making sound effects is modulate them like they i guess that's probably the wrong word you'd tell me but um so that like each time you're hitting an axe on a tree it's not the exact same pitch of sound you know they did that Mm -hmm. where it you know kind of varies a bit so it's there's enough variety nothing gets annoying it's it's perfectly perfectly serviceable and that's all that needs for this game there's already so much crammed into it i can't expect anything magical from the sound department personally well like yeah like there's i guess two different approaches for that like you could either take the same sound and pitch it up or pitch it down like slightly so yeah sort of just sort of sounds like it's very like it has a bit of a variation or like you know sort of you know cut cut the sound down in a sense like squish it a bit or whatever but um i think what most people use these days is like they it's called like round robin round round robin sampling so they yeah they sort of like put however many layers or however many versions of that sound in a row and then it just cycles through them uh one after the other so there might be like two or three different sort of wood cutting axe sounds or whatever so it just like sort of goes between those two to the point that you're not like if you if you paid attention and tried to figure out how many there was you could but like it's not 
it's not going to stand out like that's an annoying consistent wood sound every time i use it so yeah i mean one um, of the things i learned in uh, like game development stuff is is you can you can set a randomizer on the pitch for a sound effect so mm-hmm. every time it's triggered it will just choose a random pitch between certain boundaries obviously yeah but that's just a great way to because i mean sound effects can be monotonous and repetitive especially with something like chopping a tree or digging the ground that you're going to yeah. be doing 10 times in a row you mm-hmm. want there to be some but and they did that and i don't have any issues with it at all but with that being said too like yeah like you were saying you could definitely just play this game with the sound off doing whatever you want like any conversations like any plot points or anything that you would need to like pay attention like say if characters had dialogue it's always text so you can just read that stuff and yeah yeah, like nothing nothing is the sound isn't needed for this game at all so if you're if you if you like listening to your own music while you're playing games then you can totally do that yeah another perfect did you get much in a We'll wrap it up here, but did you get much into the combat? Because that was the only scenario I think that you maybe want audio is like audio cues for combat stuff, but I never mm-hmm. found much combat so far, and I don't know if there are any like bosses or hard yeah. combat scenarios that you need the uh, uh, um, need the audio cues or anything. Um, I don't think so. Like, um, I did get underground in the church, talk to that guy there, where you have to unlock the gate, and once you get behind the gate, you can go like underground further into like a dungeon essentially and it's like a dungeon crawler sort of thing i've only went in there for like a couple minutes just because i didn't have enough stamina but um but yeah like i've never i've never been fighting at any point like even above your house at the very beginning there's like bats and like the jellies or the goose or whatever you want to call them up there yeah um but no like never while fighting in this game have i ever encountered like uh like an enemy sneaking up from behind me or whatever like just sort of the the scale as far as where your character is on screen and what you can see around him is is big enough that like nothing sneaks up on you with that said i haven't probably seen every single enemy that's in the game so maybe there's a bigger enemy that just sort of moves a lot faster or something so um yeah so far where i am i could have definitely played the whole thing without sound without an issue yeah so perfect i mean it sounds like it's a resounding uh thumbs up from both of us i, yeah. I it just recently i got it through humble monthly uh last month or a month ago something like that um so i'm sure yeah. it'll be on sale pretty repeatedly so put this on your wish list i'd say i mean mm-hmm. i think there's so- something in it for everyone if you don't completely abhor um these kind of build up your farmland type games um yeah. even and even if you're kind of mellow on those type of games i I definitely give it a check yeah well like with me i mostly play stuff on switch that's where i played this one on switch and i this game's been out for a little while now but it's just recently came to switch like a couple months ago i think Mm -hmm. so um the good thing with that though is a lot of times when switch has uh games coming to the console if you go to like coming soon on the store there's like a lot of games there's always like a pre-purchase discount which isn't huge but then after the game comes out, if it's an older game that's then moving over to Switch, pretty pretty quickly after its release, it goes on sale. And I think I think Graveyard Keeper's been on sale on Switch like two or three times already, and it's only been on there for a little while. So it's you know if if you want to play this game, and I, I don't remember if it's still on sale on Switch, but if you do want to play this game on Switch, like just wait a little while and it'll go on sale again. Yeah, and it's even on uh, Android, which I think would be an interesting experience mm-hmm. playing it mobile. I think it would work pretty well. Like tab, I don't know how it's implemented there, but I could see it being pretty good. And I, I looked at it on to. my phone. I have an iPhone at least, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know as far as comparison to Android how they would run games, but um, it it had a pretty bad rating on on the i 
like the iPhone App Store. I think it was like 2.4 stars out of five. Um, most of the reviews saying they were they were mostly all from a year a year ago. Granted, but mm-hmm. a lot of them were saying like this game just crashes. It always crashes, crashes, crashes. Yeah. Um, so that's unfortunate. And, and like yeah, even on the Switch, like I, I had a few issues as far as like I was saying like icons showing up on the screen for like you know doing an action on something not that when the icon wasn't there it was disabling me from doing it but like i i feel like if that's a bug in the game like if you approach something new in the game that you don't really know that you can do something to like the action thing you might walk up to it it might not show up you walk away don't think anything of it later on down the game so Mm. that was sort of another thing to bring back off of the cell phone portion of it but i don't i don't know what it's like on android it would have to be. I mean, if you're going to play it on on mobile, I think you would you would have to dedicate. It's not the kind of game you can just play on your bus ride back and forth a little bit, like because I think there'd be mm-hmm. too much going on. You'd have to have a good chunk of time to commit to it. But yeah. if you don't have a Switch and you want to play it portably, look into it. Maybe it's been patched out since that mm. a year ago. But well, I think that about covers our uh, look at Graveyard Keeper. It's yes. definitely uh, going top of my list. So hopefully, mm. I can again find more time to play it. But uh, we'll mm. see how my schedule looks. Yeah. Uh, we'll I take mean, a quick. Go ahead. I, like I was saying, like maybe even with this, with the podcast too. Like if, if it either a, like we don't feel like we can get enough time with games down the road, we can either we can always, you know, or if if we do get people writing into us or whatever, we can extend our review over multiple weeks and just do multiple podcasts on the same game, or we can you know after doing so many episodes take a couple week break or whatever you know many different options and obviously people once they start writing into us as well we can see what their what their thought process on it or what they would prefer to do so yeah that's a great point yeah if if you want to get in touch with us tell us what you think about graveyard keeper maybe you picked it up from our recommendation or picked it up a couple weeks ago when we um, first announced that we're doing it and played along with us we'd love to hear from you still so that would be at backlogpod at gmail.com uh, get in touch with us there or anchor.fm slash backlog pod uh, you can leave us a note or a voice message there we'd, we'd love to hear from you and like alex said you know any um you know any thoughts on the format how you you know maybe we we should start because i mean the past couple of games i definitely could have given another week to and developed uh, thoughts further as we played more mm. so it might be worth having a little two-week sprint of, or two-week uh stretch of like you know we'll meet in the middle talk about it and then we'll come back and talk a second week could be interesting yeah. let us know what you guys think and uh, with that, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with our top five Metroidvania games. Thanks. Thanks. And we're back. Uh, so we're going to uh, round every podcast off, uh, just same as this week, as uh, with our top five uh, a, a top five list. Let me get my words straight here. <laughs> uh, we, we're going to round it off with a top five list like we do every week. This week, yeah. we're, we're looking at top five Metroidvanias. Um, so... Uh, I had a, I picked this list cause I thought I was going to have a slam dunk time at it. Um, but I was a lot harder than I thought. I, I, there's a lot of like Metroidvanias that have come out that I just haven't played when I was doing mm-hmm. my research. And it's weird to me because it's a genre that I, um, feel like I love the most. Like every time I play a Metroidvania, it's always a yeah. great experience for me. And I, I, I find they're just really, I just like the progression curve of them and the yeah. difficulty curve. Um, how'd you feel looking at your list? Um, just overall i mean i had a pretty good idea of what i was going to put on the list um last week when you when we sort of chose that so um it wasn't a super difficult list for me to create i also find too this is probably sort of 
a genre of video games that me and you probably have a the most like the most equal amount of likes on them um and like just probably probably maybe where our sort of where our tastes lay the same so um, yeah there's some pretty significant overlap uh, for this genre for us uh, yeah our list doesn't have a lot of overlap but as far as our enjoyment of these type of games yeah we both yeah. have always had a pretty good fondness for them what do you think about the term um metroidvania because i was uh when i was looking at uh games to try and find metroidvanias and doing some research mm-hmm. um, i saw a lot of articles and comments and stuff of people complaining about the term metroidvania and how it yeah. just kind of get applied to everything do you find terms like metroidvania help you when you're choosing a game to play or looking at games and stuff um i would say so i mean like as far as as far as like doing my research and stuff like that, looking at games that were qualified as such, um, everything that showed up made sense of it being that more or less from the ones I played at least. Um, but there was also like, like, um, rogue likes like rogue league or rogue legacy or whatever the game is called, um, was like on that list and stuff like that. And like risk of rain. So like those, those aren't what i would say traditionally are metroidvanias i think it's a good i think it's a good like discussion sort of topic for it or genre name for it because metroid and castlevania made those that that type of playthrough of a game um but uh but no like i don't i I don't have any issues with it like it it the term for me works as far as whenever you talk to anybody about those games or when i was looking them up so um i don't have any issues with it yeah i found um i mean for me i don't find it as over like because one of the terms that i think does get a bit overused is roguelike or roguelite um and like every game nowadays seems like it has some sort of roguelike element to it so it's hard to kind of skim that field yeah um but I still don't even mind or dislike the title or the tag of, of roguelike on or roguelite on things. Mm-hmm. It gives me a, a surface view of looking into stuff and, uh, you know, I can at least know I want to look at that further if I'm interested in those genres. But I don't think Metroidvania has reached the tier of roguelike in as far as how widespread it is. But yeah, yeah like you said, to me, a, rogue, or a Metroidvania game is a self-contained experience, not something that's mm-hmm. randomized like uh rogue legacy or anything like that necessarily and i think i think even our top five lists will speak to that like if on both of our lists any of the games that you play will have that same format the you know as far as going through going through the game in like not a super linear sense like there's multiple directions to go and you know unlocking different power-ups or moves whatever you want to call them along the way that Mm -hmm then give you like a bit of puzzles or you know different ways of incorporating it i guess but like different yeah puzzles or allow you to get past certain pathways that you once weren't allowed to or able to before because of the new power-ups and stuff so yeah yeah i'm sure we'll cover roguelikes uh, throughout the podcast at different times because a lot of mm-hmm. indie games take that uh take that and axiom verge is one i really want to get to at some point on the podcast so um yeah we'll definitely be able to cover roguelikes more and our thoughts on the genre as a whole so i'll jump in with number five then Uh, my number five is headlander Mm -hmm. this is a double fine game Uh, i played it years ago i feel like i got it on ps plus or something for free or some sort of package deal i think i remember you playing that like back when we were in high school so 
Yeah. I think it's been or maybe a while. it was like games of play where you bought like two or three games out of a list and got mm-hmm. something free or cash back or something. One of those deals. But I yeah. got it kind of on a whim because uh, again, Metroidvania, I love the idea of it. And this one is like your little head with a jetpack and you can land yeah. on different types of bodies to take them over, like different robot exoskeleton type things and mm-hmm. different bodies have different abilities and this was just a, a delight to play through. I was never too stuck on anything. Everything kept progressing at a ni- nice quip. And it was Double Fine. So if you're familiar with any of Double Fine's games, they always have a really good layer of comedy and just straight <laughs> yeah. up. Like, they don't take themselves too seriously. Yeah. And this definitely uh, definitely fits that bill. So uh, my number five, uh, Headlander. Nothing too special, mm. but just uh, just a perfect little roguelike experience or uh, Metroidvania experience. <laughs> my, uh, my number five is Shadow Complex. So... Um, I first played this and only played this actually on the uh, Xbox 360 quite a while ago actually. Um, I think you bought it, you played it, and then I started playing it after you. Um, but it was sort of like it was sort of like um, an underground sort of through like the uh, like almost like a like a sewer e vibe from what I remember as far as like the the layout or where you were at but you're essentially like an, an agent i believe and you got dropped off somewhere and then you had to go in this base um but it was kind of cool because like i believe in order to shoot you needed to you needed to stop or stay still could be wrong about that but your gun always had your gun always had like this red dot laser on it so you always saw exactly where you're shooting and i and it's been many years since i played this one but um from what i can remember i believe there was like a couple puzzles and stuff like that too that involved you like shooting different things and stuff like that as far as like maybe dropping a box that had a rope around it and hanging from the ceiling and stuff like that but yeah i mean i always had fun with it what did you uh what did you think about it when you played it yeah this is one that uh, missed my list for sure because i think i i don't know it's hard to review or it's hard to assess on the spot but i definitely yeah i really like this game uh played it on xbox 360 years ago like you like you said mm-hmm. um and i think uh yeah, I think you maybe had to like crouch behind boxes in order to pull out your gun and shoot and stuff. But I really like there was they did a lot like of depth of stuff. So there was enemies mm. that would come at you from like the background field, like it was two yeah. D plane. But enemies would show up behind like on a on like a catwalk in like right, the background. Yeah, yeah. So you'd have to like aim at them. So there's lots of different combat experiences. It was pretty heavy on the combat. I think a lot of Metroidvanias are heavy on the combat, mm. um, but this one. Like Headlander, I don't think had a ton of combat as an example, but this one is had a pretty cool um, kind of cover system, which I don't think you see a lot in uh, Metroidvanias. Mm. It's a lot more the action hack and slash uh, genre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're actually, if I remember correctly, and I could be misremembering as well, you're just a normal dude. Yeah. Uh, because you're out hiking with your girlfriend or something, and she falls into this complex or gets abducted by these people of like oh, the okay. shadowy underground right. organization. Yeah. I think you're. Is it voiced by the same guy who does Nathan Drake? His name not so. coming to me right now. Uh, Nolan North, I believe. Yeah, Nolan North. But I know there's a secret uh, ending. I guess you can call it where like your girlfriend gets abducted and you're obviously supposed to like run into this base after and rescue or whatever mm-hmm. but you can actually just go back to your jeep that you started at and you just take off and you, your guy just goes oh well plenty of fish in the sea and that just rolls credits <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's it's pretty great i love little secrets like that but yeah this is a great great pick uh, shadow complex mm. uh, our number four is actually the exact same thing so i'll let you kick it off since you're next sure yeah both of our number four happens to be super metroid um, so I had to kind of give it, uh, it had to have a place in my list here. Like this is mm-hmm. the, I think Metroid game that sparked my lifelong love of Metroidvanias. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played this many times. I think I played it 
first way back on the Super Nintendo when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. I've played it since on Virtual Console, and I think there's a remake on Game Boy Advance or Virtual Console on the DS or something. Like, I've played it so many different yeah. places and ways. Yeah, I think I think the Game Boy Advance one had, like, a different, like, an, another section added to it than the original one had, where you're, like, uh, Zero Suit Samus and stuff like that and running around, I believe, but could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I, I mean, this just, I think this kind of cemented the Metroidvania formula of mm-hmm. getting power-ups, finding secrets. Like, it's just, it is the textbook way to do this kind of game nowadays, yeah. I think. Um, I, I don't know if it's... Go ahead. Samus is just such like a badass character too, which is kind of, you know, it's always yeah. fun to to play as her because it's like, you know, it's like like such like such an iconic looking character too, and you get, like you know you get to do like the roll up in a ball and and roll around and all that kind of stuff too. So it's it's always fun like just navigating as as Samus too. So yeah, and I mean for when this game came back out back in the Super Nintendo, this kind of like branching path retreading like. It just wasn't how games were normally made back then, mm. and so it was pretty. I mean, it pretty amazing. I think back then for it to be so out in left field, as it were, because you know most games, yeah. you look at Super Mario, it was kind of you know level one, level two, trying to get through, kind of just how the arcade games were essentially. Yeah, and uh, this really broke that mold of you know you'd see a little, like you said, you see a little path that's like half size you can't go in there until you get the morph ball ability mm-hmm. um yeah you just got such a cool host of abilities between rockets and morph balls and sprinting and all kinds of just stuff that unlocked many possibilities yeah and the boss fights i found were really fun like pretty hard but never too frustrating like yeah um, it felt no. like a challenge but never felt like it was not cupcake levels of frustrating exactly yeah. <laughs> so yeah, number four, Super Metroid. I think it, uh, I, uh, for me, Metroid, I mean, Metroidvania is obviously a portmanteau of Metroid and Castlevania because they're the two games that kind of started doing this. Yeah. Um, I haven't honestly played many Castlevanias. I never really Neither liked the I. combat style. I, mm. I've tried, but I don't like the really sluggish, slow paced combat style, especially that's in the older um, Castlevanias. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's definitely some people's cup of tea, but I much prefer the fast kind of action shooty uh elements that are in uh, metroid over castlevanias but yeah yeah uh so i guess we'll move on that was both for number four so it comes back to me yeah because my number well my number three is also your number two so you go right on from do your number three and then we'll go right on to your number two i guess okay (laughs) sounds good uh so my number three spoiler alert for uh, next week (laughs) is uh, yoku's island express Uh, Mm -hmm. so this is going to be our game that we're reviewing next week um but uh, i've played it pretty recently so it's pretty fresh in memory Mm -hmm. um so um this one and my number one uh, are both here because i think there's um, plenty of room to innovate on the Metroidvania formula. I think a lot of people who tackle the Metroidvania formula uh, do it in like a pretty standard um, homage type way to the old school games. But mm-hmm. uh, Yoku's went way out in left field and combined it with pinball. Um, so we'll talk. I don't want to cover too much of my thoughts because we'll be talking about it a lot next week. But I just mm-hmm. love that they took such a seems new like such approach a, to this game. Seems like such a genius pairing too. Like because a lot of people like pinball as it's seeming to get more and more popular these days, but just like pinball with like a little bit of a break in between having to play it. And then just always also just like such a different variety of like tables, so to speak throughout the game. So, yeah. And it's a perfect way. Like Metroidvanias are all about gating progress, right? You want to have pathways that you can't get and you're kind of forced to go get upgrades and stuff. Yeah. And I think a pinball table and a pinball with different mechanics are just a great way to, 
to have those abilities be able to be unlocked in interesting ways. Mm. So I guess, uh, yeah, your number three is my number two, you said. <laughs> yeah, so we can just go right yeah. on to your number two if you want. We'll jump back over to my number two and your number three, which is Hollow Knight. Um, this is uh, one of, I, I own a Switch. I know I talk about this all the time. I own a Switch, but I never seem to want to play it. I don't know mm-hmm. what it exactly is. It feels like a tree right up my alley, but Hollow Knight's one of the only games I've really played all the way through on the Switch, and it was just a really yeah. nice experience. This one is a lot more, I'd say, traditional, whereas Yoku's was a bit more out in left field as far as the mechanics, but mm-hmm. um, this is a lot more just traditional going through uh, doing stuff, but I really liked how I wouldn't call it quite Dark Soulsy, but I really liked the combat and how careful you had to be with the combat and your mechanics mm-hmm. and timing. Felt really meticulous, um, but not slow paced like I talked about with uh, Castlevania. It was more action packed, but still meticulous, and it was a really nice blend of those combat styles. So mm-hmm. every combat encounter, um, even when you're just retreading the same areas, it never felt boring. It felt really tense and uh, exciting. How'd you, how'd you feel about it? Um, I mean, I had this on Switch as well. I got it pretty quickly after it came out because it looked really cool um with that said i didn't play it a a super long amount of time unfortunately Mm -hmm. um i i can't remember if i had just like sort of lost interest in it or if i got another game and just started playing that and that sort of fell off to the side but um i don't know like this one is really fun but i found it it was just a little bit sort of difficult to navigate through like like you find that guy there who gives you the map and all that kind of stuff but like i just i just remember spending like a good like 20 to 30 minutes close to the beginning of the game like just absolutely stuck on where to go next i couldn't figure it out and like two some of the environments look so similar to me that i was like was i here before i i don't know um with that said like all the time i had with it was still really fun It, it it definitely is the hardest one from my memory that's on my list at least it's a very hard Metroidvania from what I remember. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I, I It's a good thing to touch on. Uh, the A lot of the areas are fairly similar. There are, like, different regions that have kind of a different textural overtone, but um, for the most part, each kind of room does end up almost seeming the same as the past, and there are definitely some points where you were completely locked of going anywhere, and I, you spent, like, half an hour to an hour just retreading everywhere to look for what you needed yeah. the one thing or one upgrade or one room that you missed to keep going forward so i it's hard to say i'd have to give it a really look at it under a microscope to yeah. see if that's really a problem with the game or not it's hard to remember from so long ago but it definitely was i definitely had some frustrating moments with it yeah like you know, yeah, yeah it could have definitely been something that happens in a lot of metroidvania games but like this one and the number one on my list i've both played recently and the one on my number one um is definitely a lot more fluid to me and it just it makes a lot more sense as far as where to go but uh we'll touch on that when i get to it yeah it definitely uh, stands out but i think it's great especially if you want a really challenging uh metroidvania yeah. i think hollow knight's a uh, great plus so plus this one's got a sequel coming out too soon eventually at some point so yeah that's true yeah that's on the horizon so i'm sure hollow knight's on sale all the time so yeah. if you're into metroidvanias and you haven't tried this one i think it's definitely worth the go so over to your number two Cool. My number two is Metroid Fusion. So this was a Game Boy Advance game. Um, probably the most familiar uh, description of it for people would be like the the Samus in the blue suit on the case for it. Um, this one actually, when I was like six or seven, I think, um, I had a friend down the road from where we lived who had it for Game Boy Advance and I borrowed it from him. So I've never actually owned it myself. Um, but... Uh, but I just remember like seeing him play it and I was just like so 
like just so like drawn into it um that, that this is the first metroid one that i've played too i played super metroid later on in life but um mm-hmm. but yeah it was just like a really cool looking game like especially on game boy advance like it was just just like you know really polished looking game and it was just sort of games that i had an interest in at that time but it was you know it's it's it plays very similar to super metroid but it's obviously expanded on a little bit different story obviously so um yeah i mean it's just it's, metroidvania games are just a solid game format that i that i enjoy so yeah, that's why metroid, that's my number two the metroid uh metroid um zero mission almost made it onto my list and fusion they're kind of i don't, I don't want to offend anybody by saying they're interchangeable but they're both kind of game boy advance um takes on on metroid right yeah. and yeah they're both just great i mean they've had time to refine that formula and Game Boy Advance, I think, was a great platform for Metroidvanias because the Metroidvania um, genre is almost exclusively 2D. Yeah. Um, it, having it on a handheld, I think, is just the perfect. Like, I played through, I think, Fusion in one entire sitting, like, just over the course of, like, six or eight hours because it's not super long. And Metroidvanias generally aren't if you really put your nose to the grindstone. But, um, yeah, it's just, that was, it's, they're both really great experiences. Uh, it was hard for me to pick what Metroid. Yeah game to put on here yeah Um, i ended up i ended up giving it to super metroid over those ones just because it's almost the progenitor of the whole genre but i think if you strictly are going back now to play one i would probably pick zero mission or fusion uh, be kind of a coin toss but i'd definitely go for Mm. one of those if you want a metroid experience the thing that's unfortunate too though is like it's been such a long time since we've gotten a new metroid game um the last metroid vanya metroid was uh metroid prime 3 right um, I want to say so, yeah. Which was they had on the, Wii. Yeah. They, they had, had other really, M. Other M, that's what it was. I knew there was a letter involved somewhere. <laughs> um, but that was like that was made by Team Ninja, so it was like a Ninja Gaiden, Gaiden, however you want to pronounce it, um, yeah. playthrough of the game, which um, a lot of Metroid fans pretend don't exist from my experience of talking to them. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I always I liked that, that sort of gameplay, and like I thought that would be sort of a cool setting to play as same as in but i never actually did play the game no yeah same here i guess we'll roll into my number one since we're talking yeah. about it essentially uh, my number one is metroid prime uh, i kind of cheated my own rule of keeping one to a series <laughs> for this list uh, <laughs> yeah. but i consider prime and the other metroid games totally uh, different. almost independent series um just because yeah they're just it's the same you know character but one's 3d and one's 2d mm-hmm. um, i think which is a pretty huge distinction mechanically platformy combat wise there there are similar but uh i kind of found it to be its own thing and metroid prime um i played so much of this on the gamecube this was just it's another one that just has a soft spot in my heart especially from growing up that it's like yeah. wow there's this whole like 3d planet of aliens for me to explore i loved reading every little bit of lore with the little visor you could scan everything you came yeah. across um and having that exploration and discovery and unlocking of new paths and stuff in 3D um, was just a whole new, added so many more exciting things they could do with it mm-hmm. because you could have whole kind of rooms and stuff tucked away and tubes and stuff that weren't immediately obvious, where if you put it on a 2D game, you pretty much it pretty much has to be obvious or visible um, because you generally have a map and, and that sort of a thing. Yeah. So the 3D kind of made it really cool to it's kind explore of like, things in a whole new dimension. It's kind of like Doom... In, in a sense too in the in the way that like there's just like so much stuff that you can learn about and so much that you can read about if you want to like 
where you said like you can scan like anything you can scan something and then it gets put in like your your log or like your catalog and your in like your menus and stuff like that to look back on similar to like in doom like if you encounter a new enemy or like a new gun whatever it just has like quite a quite a nice amount of writing um about those items so it's it's pretty it's pretty like developed and there's like sort of quite a universe needed to be created for those games to you know be that in depth so it's uh yeah. it's quite quite a crazy game um especially for when it came out to um early yeah. gamecube I, years right yeah exactly and i think that's a good point of like this was just the more the more i think about it the thing that really stuck with me uh, that i didn't really alliterate before was um it's just so immersive the first person view the kind of visor screen like if you're if you see like if you have light blasts you can kind of see your face reflection like they because you have a visor on sort of a mm. thing so it's just little touches like that within the ui within the 3d first person elements to it um and even the opening screen just felt very cinematic like even the menu is just very like yeah. intense and that 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 soundtrack it just will always be in my mind till i die like that was just <laughs> it just every it just felt so visceral yeah so yeah, my number one Metroid Prime over to you. Do you think you're going to? Uh, do you think when Metroid Prime Four comes out, it's going to be a game that'll force you to go back on the Switch? Oh no doubt. I mean, there's no way. I might even have to slap down eighty bucks for a Pro controller to play it. Sadly, <laughs> but yeah, Metroid. I'm sad it kind of got. It's been delayed like indefinitely or something. Didn't they, they made an announcement where they just were basically like it I wasn't th- working, so we scrapped it, and now we're starting from scratch. I think so. I think they. I think either just Nintendo or some other company was was originally making it and it just wasn't working so yeah they scrapped it and i think the original people who made metroid prime one through three are now making the fourth one which makes sense they should have done from the yeah, get-go but that's fair i mean it's i think uh, i'm gonna misquote it i think it was satoru iwata but it might have been miyamoto or it might have been somebody entirely different but somebody from nintendo had a maybe it was even reggie might have been reggie fees of me i don't know somebody tell me mm-hmm. um, but they had a quote that was like uh a a delayed game will be good eventually, but a bad game will be bad forever. Um, oh. So uh, it's a pretty pretty good quote. I mean, nowadays with yeah. patches and updates, it's not entirely true, I guess. But I mean, I'd rather see it delayed and get the attention that it deserves. But yeah. it does worry me. Um, Nintendo has this kind of back roster of characters between Star Fox and Pikmin and Metroid of like kind of like these B-line characters, like B-tier where they like don't get the attention that the Mario's and Zelda's and stuff and Pokemon get all the time. That yeah. I, they, like granted, they do have smaller audiences, but man, I wish they got better mm. games and more attention. Like, so anyway, yeah. I digress. <laughs> On to my uh, number one, I guess. Over to your number one. Yeah, my number one is Ori and the Blind Forest. Um, so this one I didn't, I never, I didn't hear about it until the the switch direct where they're announcing that this was coming to switch and it was like a it was the way that the direct sort of headlined it out it was one of those things at the very end like you know one of those big secrets or surprises were like oh wait we have one more thing take a look at this yeah um and then it was like this very cool cinematic trailer for this game um but yeah um like everything about this game i just really really enjoy like this the score is like absolutely amazing um gareth cocker is the one who did it um but it's just like very cool um i believe like the main focus instrument is like an an oboe and a piano for the most part could be like a core anglais instead of a an oboe but anyways um yeah it was just like a very sort of cool 
very sort of cool, relaxing, like sort of score. And when it needed intensity, it gave it intensity. Um, and just, yeah, the, the art style of it too. And like your Ori is sort of like this unknown animal. You don't really know what it is, but essentially like this disaster in the world strikes and you've been like given like the spiritual quest that you need to sort of make everything right again. So it's, it's really cool. And, and it's a really cool pacing. Um, and there's a second one out for it now. Unfortunately, I don't have an Xbox One or a PC, so I'll have mm-hmm. to wait probably a year or two for it to come out on Switch if it ever does. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah, excited. this one I had heard of. I've heard of it in the past, and um, but until like I knew the sequel was coming out recently, I've heard a bit about the sequel, and that's mm-hmm. what made me kind of hear more about Ori in the Blind Forest. Uh, but this one's like crazy award winning. I think like everyone seems yeah. to just have yeah. nothing but good things to say about this game. And it was one of those what I was talking about earlier about all the Metroidvania games. I feel like I haven't played. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the ones that's like way up in the list of like. I feel like I can't call myself a Metroidvania fan without having played this. So yeah. at some point I'm going to have to to play it because that um, just seems like everyone loves this game and it's right in my genre wheelhouse. So yeah. it feels like a game I should be playing. Yeah, I, can't, I couldn't recommend it more enough. Like it's it's one of my favorite games I've played in the last few years for sure. Like hands is down. It, is it really like combat heavy or just more exploration platforming not super combat heavy like obviously like there's more combat dense areas depending on where like when you get to them and where you get to them and stuff like that but um but it's kind of interesting cool because like it's interesting too because they they i i remember watching a couple videos and stuff like that about it but they wanted ori like the character that you play as to be sort of like very sort of like very gentle and very peaceful so what you use to attack is like there's like this sort of glowing orb that hovers above you as you play the game and that like sort of shoots out little like sort of little whips and beams from it that you attack enemies with so or he's just sort of running through and then that thing's sort of doing all the work you have to hit the buttons to use that as, a, as an attack but like hmm. you know in in sense of like a story playthrough is like yeah like you're just sort of running through as Ori and that thing's attacking for you um that sounds interesting yeah so like it's it's there's no like no close combat necessary like you can go from a certain distance away from the enemies um but i think with this new one with the with the sequel will of the wisps is um Mm -hmm. i think ori has a sword now so um be interesting to see that yeah well i guess that'll do it for uh, this week's podcast those are our top five uh, metroidvania games Mm -hmm. um let us know yours i'm sure we missed uh many people's favorites and stuff there's so many honorable mentions i think in, in there yeah um uh, cave story almost made it in for me because that's just another one of these it's the cave story is a really old game and it's another one of the grandfathers of the genre yeah. uh, guacamelee there's there's tons of these games it's a uh, really mm. i think prolific uh genre so let us know uh, you know feel free to send us an email at backlogpod at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you love to hear your take on our top fives what we got wrong what we got right and mm-hmm. what you'd add in there um so or get in touch with us at uh, anchor.fm slash backlog pod uh, any closing thoughts before we get out of here today alex um no but uh, just to mention next week's podcast the review will uh, be yes. yoku's island express so that should be coming out march 27th um, and then the following week after that, we're doing Child of Light, which is due to come out Monday, April 3rd. Um, and our next top five list is going to be top five uh, JRPGs for myself and Lucas. 
Yeah, perfect. Good thing I got a co-host here because yeah, I always <laughs> gloss over something at the end. Um, and those dates there are the uh, yeah, Yoku's will be uh, will be Next recording week. the podcast on the twenty seventh. Um, so get your uh, reviews and by right, then right. Uh, get any comments and we'll release it on the following Monday. Same thing, Child of Light. Uh, that'll be Friday, April third. Um, just get your comments in by that regarding that game, and we'd love to read some stuff on air and have a conversation with everybody. Yeah. So and yeah, top five JRPGs will be our top five for next week. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, a, it's been a good one. Nice talk, to you, Alex. Yeah, you too. Thanks, everybody. Take care. See ya.